Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip it and rip it with Brian Scott Rippy is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. to everyone out there this is another edition of fresh cuts i am brian scott rippy on the other end of the line greg the meat sharp jones this is the another edition of lb's fresh cuts we'll go through the board we got all kinds of stuff from last week to talk about what's up man i was about to ask if you had a good thanksgiving and then i just remembered that we actually did a podcast the day after thanksgiving what's happening yeah no uh, you know just uh uh, the weather has changed. Uh, the cold front has come through, and uh, you know it's, uh, it's still, you know it's still decent grilling weather. But yeah, it's cold outside. But um, yeah, we're stocked up for this weekend and uh, ready to go for everything. It's uh, it's cold in my neck of the woods as well, uh, particularly the last couple of days. Uh, for LBs wise, so do you guys change anything you keep in stock with the weather? I know that initially sounds like a dumb question. But, like, obviously you're doing probably a lot more outside cooking um, in the summer, you know, people enjoying the weather and all that, as opposed to just, like, you know, probably, you know, either braving it outside in the cold and not necessarily spending a ton of time outside unless whatever it is you're doing on the grill versus inside. Do y'all change anything up as the seasons change? No, I mean, like, you still can uh, do everything that, you know, that we do in the oven, bake it, you know, cast iron skillet. Um, you know, the sirloin and Hoover are perfect for a cast iron skillet. You know, just sear it on each side for a couple of minutes. Those bacon wrapped pork chops, they're perfect for the, uh, you know, the the, uh, the oven where you can just put them on the sheet pan, 350 for about, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes, depends on how hot your oven gets. But there's a lot of different things. You know, those poppers, mushrooms. Duck poppers, you literally can bake those in the oven. You really don't have to grill them, but it's always good to get that grill going. So it's uh, it's hard not to get the grill going, but there's a lot of different things that you can bake in the oven for sure. I'm surprised I haven't asked you this by now. Do you dabble into like 
I know y'all don't like necessarily like process people's deer meat, but like, do you do anything with like deer and stuff like that that they have? Like, yeah, I mean, we do do deer processing. I don't really. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't announce it just because we have to keep it separate from all our USDA products. So, um, you know, I would love in the future to have a LB's deer processing, but you know, we're more LB's meat market first because you know our customers didn't come in for the deer processing. You know, they came in for the ribeye sausage, the chicken spinach feta sausage, you know, the Italian sausage. Uh, we're making, actually, we're making a new sausage tonight. We're doing a uh, spicy Chicago beef uh, sausage. So, yeah, man, that sounds, uh, sounds pretty, uh, it's, got, it's definitely going to have some kick to it. Um, I don't know if you've ever had um the uh, an Italian beef from Chicago, which is like roast beef, and it's got that hot pepper relish on it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it should be pretty serious. So, hopefully, it works out. I don't think I've ever had that, but you're making me hungry. But that's interesting. Well, if you said you try not to try not to announce it, I hate to break it to you. We we compiled that list a couple weeks ago of like the five listeners we know. Uh, SoundCloud says that we have a couple more than that, which is surprising to me and you. So uh, hopefully we did not just flood. Hopefully there will not be people lining up with, uh, I don't know, 18 inch eight points uh, yeah, outside no, your store I mean, like, this I'll weekend. Do, I mean, like, you know, uh, I have no problem with doing the deer. I just, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to get it back to you in a particular time frame because, um, you know, we, we're more of a meat market first. But if you debone your deer, I mean, that will we'll accept it. Um, I, you know, if it's cleaned and quartered, yes, I'll accept it. But, you know, if you have a patient time that, you know, if you're not trying to get it rushed back, we'll do it for you. Uh, just, you know, mention the podcast and, uh, you know, uh, that way, <laughs> that way I know where it came from because, you know, that's just how it is right now. You heard it first here. He will get your meat done in 24 hours and do a full taxidermy mount for you. So it's all good. Go check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, speaking of cooking, we uh, you were cooking last week. I was in college, I guess you could define it. Our locks were not great. You killed me in the NFL. There was a it was an interesting gambling week last week on a number of different fronts. There was uh there was in the NFL at least on Sunday, and that's really the only thing I can speak for as far as like researching it. There was a couple of games where there were Vegas had a lot Vegas had a small share of the money, I should put it. Ninety or large share. Ninety percent of the public money was on one side in like four different games. Oh. And I think it was reflected in our locks. Uh, because <laughs> you went four and two in college. I went four and two in college. You went eight and five in the NFL. I went five and eight, but your locks were one and three and mine were one and four. So I don't think that's an accident that Vegas really just raked it in on quite a few games on people and our locks were bad. Wow. Uh, but your, uh, your overall record was solid, dude. That's a what, 12 and seven week? That's a pretty solid, smaller NFL slate because we didn't do the Thanksgiving games and I didn't have his pick Ravens. Uh, Steelers, because at the time that was just a complete crapshoot as to whether even that game was going to get played. But overall, a good week. Just the things, you know, are just like our dumb brains are just like everyone else's. Vegas took us to the woodshed on those. But overall, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the Falcons, those mysterious Falcons, showed up this uh, this last weekend and and beat up on those Raiders. So that was a that was a tough one to swallow. But yeah, you know making money and uh you know we're just you know excited about the i think we're up to 12 or 14 people on the people that are listening and uh you know just making making people money and sending christmas cards that's just what we're all about around here 
it was one of the stranger weeks and as it pertains to the NFL as well. You, we both picked the Saints on Friday, which I believe like a few hours after our podcast dropped was the news that the entire Broncos quarterback room was out and they had to go with the emergency quarterback. And I'm sure you watched this game as a Saints fan. That's one of the more bizarre professional sporting events I've ever watched. And the fact that they look, I get what they're trying to do. I don't blame the NFL and I, and the, Apparently the Broncos quarterback room was not following protocols even after they had one guy test positive. And so I think they were trying to make a little bit of an example out of them. So like everyone seemed just kind of outraged that, you know, they were delaying the Ravens game, but not delaying the Broncos game. And I don't really blame the NFL in that sense um, for kind of continuing that on, but what a bizarre sporting event. What Denver completed one pass. That was like the saints won what 20, 31 to three. And you could argue kind of played like played like ass. Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, statistic, uh, stats-wise, uh, it wasn't a very impressive uh, victory, and you would think that. Uh, but no, that was just, man, like, just chalk it up to 2020, man. Uh, this is just going to be a really weird year. If we can get through it, I think uh, we might be able to turn the page. I don't know. We're just trying to think positive on this whole gig. And then really the last major one to cap off for the general public what was just a brutal weekend um, on the sports book was one of the all time bad beats in Monday night football. I know if you listened to our show the week before we discussed the atrocity that was the Virginia Abilene Christian game, but let's be honest. If you, if you lost a lot of money on that, you should probably go, uh, as we like to say, seek help. I don't even know if you can call that a seek help game. If half the country doesn't know what was going on, this one was a little more mainstream in Seahawks uh, Eagles. And if for some reason you were unfamiliar with the setting or didn't watch the game, Seattle minus six and a half, basically 88% of the public money is on Seattle. And uh, you know, you can see why the, the sea, the Eagles yeah. have been a disaster. They were a disaster for most of that game, despite the Seahawks not playing well with what 18 seconds left Carson Wentz. They're down 24 to 10 throws a Hail Mary that the Seattle defender deflects and there happens to be an Eagles receiver crouching down on the ground. He catches it with one hand and you're sitting there thinking, okay, you're good. Whatever. 24, 17 closer than we would have liked. Well, not, not according to the nerds because now late in football games, the nerds have killed the six and a half point spread um, because now it is apparently analytically sound when you're down 14 late in a game to go for two, Instead of kick the extra point to make it a seven point game, I've read a couple articles on this theory and it still confuses me every time. But, you know, at that point, when you see the kicker not going on the field, you know what's about to happen here. Uh, the Eagles run it in for a two point conversion 24 18. Your six and a half point ticket is might as well be thrown in the garbage in just an absolutely brutal way to end a game that the Eagles had no business covering or being within a score. I mean, that's. Uh... You know, I hate, to, I hate to say it, but, you know, Marty the Moose strikes again. You know, uh, Marty has a one-way ticket to every sporting event uh, via the last two minutes of every game, and he just shows up, and uh, that is a Marty the Moose situation. And, uh, man, I was <laughs> – unfortunately, I was on the, the bad side of that situation, and it just happens, man. I and mean, it's just – that's why it's called gambling and not winning, you know, but uh, – <laughs> Just is what it is on that. 
Well, we were both on that side, dude, just like most of the, you know, American public in that sense. And just, I mean, we've, I know we've had 13 weeks or 12 weeks of this now, and it's starting to feel like Groundhog Day in terms of just how many games we go through because we go through them all. But I mean, that's early. If I really get bored one day, I'm going to go back through all of our pods and try to figure out the worst beats of the year. But uh, that's, that's got to be the leader in the clubhouse, right? I can't think of another one, particularly in the National Football League that uh, even compares. That was horrendous. Because yeah. if he knocks the pass down, you win the game. Like, you win it. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean there's, well, there's... he did knock the pass down. If that guy's not placed there, I should say, it's uh, <laughs> your ticket's cashed. Yeah, it's it's literally just like the uh, uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Ravens last uh, yesterday. And uh, they literally uh, had the uh, 10 and a half covered, the under covered, the whole nine yards. And Marty McSorley throws a bomb and uh, – they uh, catch a long bomb to uh, bust up the uh, the Steelers and the under. So the DB man, tripped, and they did, Baltimore had no was not moving the ball at all before oh, that no, play. They hadn't, they hadn't gone past the fifty. You know, <laughs> that's just like I said, a typical Marty Boost situation. The uh, really kind of one final thought on the NFL. I will skate through college really quick and then get into the LBs board this week. Uh, we were on the right side of one of these. I don't know if you saw the ending of the Bills uh, Chargers game last week. You know, the big Twitter internet meme has been just how bad Anthony Lynn has been this year as a head coach. And it was underscored even more on a Sunday with the way he handled that game. Did you see how this ended? I'm going to explain it either way, but surely you saw this. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, was, I, I was waiting. But yes, I did. But I was waiting for your uh thing it's great <laughs> yeah so we both are on the bills and it's 27 to 17 uh with what like a, you know a handful of seconds left similar situation to the seattle uh philly game that i outlined and herbert on fourth and 20 something escapes pressure eli manning style and really just throws it up for grabs i think it was keenan allen maybe it was someone else catches it down to the three they're running down with as the time's going out and you're sitting there thinking, Oh great. This bill's tickets toast. The chargers are on the three yard line with 20 something seconds left. Like the bills don't need them. Just, I mean, the bills don't care if they score here. This is like, we're toast. Well, not, not if you have Anthony Lynn on your side, which we did not. Thankfully, Anthony Lynn, I guess technically was on our side because he cashed our tickets. <laughs> they don't spike the ball. Then they run a run play. And then they, that wastes what 17 more seconds. So now there's like six seconds left. And then instead of spiking it the next time, the offensive line, they sneak it with Herbert on the last play of the game when the offensive line drops back to pass block. So he just gets absolutely bamboozled. So with 30 seconds left and basically a free shot at the end zone because the Bills defense doesn't really care that you score because there's no time left, Anthony Lynn manages, manages to lose yardages with no timeouts. Yeah, and he, he still has a job or not? He will not come. He will be a Black Monday um a casualty, I believe. I don't think they'll fire him in season because at this point they don't have a ton to gain. You know, why fire the guy mid season with the rookie quarterback? But uh they will be going in a different direction um, yeah, this sure. this off season. So yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you feel for. I mean, you know, I know it's a uh, a part of the business, and you know, people uh, have jobs, get fired from jobs, but like. Um, I just think that's a very fireable fence. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And he's had six or seven of them. And then I guess if you want to address the uh, the address the audience on your doppelganger, Matt Patricia was finally relieved of his duties. My goodness, yeah. over the Lions, a disaster. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, this is, I feel for feel for him. Uh, maybe he's just uh, more of a coordinator kind of guy. But uh, you know, uh, 
we're we're hiring up there in LBs. You know, I can uh, need a you know somebody that who looks like me and uh, can pretend like me. So yeah, I could I could probably give them a job. Yeah, we should both sit out the front of the store and just see you know who your regular customers are like. Is that Greg or is that Greg? Yeah. No. That's <laughs> <not>. <laughs> anyway, nothing really to speak of on the uh, college front. We both lost Ole Miss. That Ole Miss didn't play very well. You know, you won the Egg Bowl, G- great. You know, games winner. But from a Vegas perspective. Ole Miss doesn't play well. Really felt like they should have been up at least two scores, maybe three at halftime, and just really slogged yeah, through was, the second half. Yeah. So, State so, kicks a late so, field goal is frustrating. Yeah, that was like just, I don't know, the, the most weirdest egg bowl of all time. I mean, you know, like at one point, um, it was literally Ole Miss should have been up uh, 42 to 7. <laughs> uh, you know, with going with it forward and fourth down on that sort of thing, but Whatever it is, what it is, man. But yeah, that was a that was a weird angle. Yeah, I mean, completely agree. And it's it's weird because you're used to seeing these hotly contested, very intense, uh, whether the teams are good or not in the Egg Bowl and rivalry games. And what you basically had was a mediocre old Miss team, very good offensively, very bad defensively, playing just a a hapless Mississippi State team from that perspective, just limping to the finish line. You know, the forty whatever scholarship players. And you just had Ole Miss not play very well and kind of play with its food, basically. Like, they never really were able to get the kill shot off. And it, it made for a very mundane, nondescript egg bowl. Obviously, Ole Miss very happy to win the game. Like, good for them in that aspect, but didn't cover there. You know, everything else kind of went according to plan. There wasn't really any shockers there. Auburn was non-competitive at all. But uh, that was really kind of the story of last week in college football. Everything just kind of went by the script. Uh, Vanderbilt, horrendous. You know, A&M very workmanlike cover over Missouri, what like or over uh, LSU, I should say. No, I have that wrong. They didn't cover. LSU scored late. Our college games are three and three, not four and two. I just, I just in real time picked that up. LSU had a cover busting touchdown, didn't they? Yeah, it was twenty to seven, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was 14 and a half. So I'm sorry. I miscalculated that. I thought that I mean, was a I'm W. I'm pretty sure I was on that LSU for sure. That Marty, Marty the Moose late touchdown. <laughs> the, uh, the pen and paper says you are an A&M, but uh, I can't attest what you actually uh, put into the uh, uh, put into the man on uh, on <laughs> Saturday afternoon. But anyway, so kind of a nondescript weekend to college football. We've got some games this week. You know, you're pretty normal SEC slate with both Ole Miss and State off this week, uh, really not due to any new COVID issues. Uh, the SEC is kind of reshuffling the schedule to try to ensure everyone plays 10 games, and Ole Miss and State were kind of casualties of that this weekend in the sense that Ole Miss gets its game taken away temporarily so uh, A&M can play Auburn to kind of figure things out on the back end, and then you've got Missouri-Arkansas this week instead of Mississippi State-Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh Another weird off week, man. No, obviously, what a strange season. What Ole Miss is going to go almost two months without playing back-to-back weeks. They're going to go from October 23rd, October 30th, then playing back-to-back the last time to December 5th and 12th. Just bizarre. Yeah. I mean, this is, like I said, I think that the main goal is if we can get this season taken care of and finish through, it's, it's going to help. I mean, do I think Ole Miss and uh, Texas A&M and Ole Miss and LSU are going to play? I hope, you know, just for the, uh, you know, for the uh, for the players and the coaching staff. I mean, they've gone through a lot, and uh, I think they're deserving of of it. And uh, let's hope it works out. Oh, and here's a uh, here's a spoiling revelation: If the SEC does get to ten games, 
and you look up and, you know, two of the best teams in the Big Ten, uh, Ohio State, Northwestern, Wisconsin, I say, I guess that's three teams, are, are not being able to meet the threshold of playing uh, enough games to get into their conference championship game. The SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are going to look a hell of a lot smarter. And you saw this split back in August where the Big Twi- Big 10 and Big 12 decided originally not to play welts on that decision then decided to put in seven and eight game schedules or six and eight game schedules with no bye weeks when every you know medical professional you talk to said the virus was going to uptick during flu season so despite what blue check marks it turns out sports writers are not the uh end all be all in terms of what is smart and what is dumb uh so contrary to popular belief if they get to 10 games which it looks like they will and the acc will have most people at 10 some at nine um Shocker, the SEC, Big 12, and ACC are looking a hell of a lot better right now than the disaster that is the Pac-12 and Big 10. Who could have guessed that? Not Dan Wolken. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it just goes to show you um, uh, blue state's going to blue state and red state's going to red state regardless of uh, who the president is. So, I mean, I know that this is, uh, you know, a, a serious deal, and I'm not sitting here trying to say that it's not a serious deal, but... You know, we can't live our life in fear of this uh, certain thing. And uh, there's a lot of people that uh, depend on working every single day, uh, regardless of, you know, what industry they're in. But uh, we're going we're going we're going to push forward with this whole deal and we're going to get through this for sure. And I just hope that uh, it works out. Even all that aside, just the, the it's a, it, I mean, it, the snark I, I laid on the Big 12, I, excuse me, the Big Ten and Pac-12 there was most, you know, mostly tongue in cheek. But just it is if the SEC is able to get this done, it is a remarkable accomplishment uh, to not only the scheduling people, but the conference as a whole to be able to have a semi-normal championship in a 10 game season amidst all of this. Because, you know, we had a couple of weeks there where it's like, I don't know if this is going to happen. So if they're able to pull this off and they're close to the finish line, it hasn't always been pretty, you know, feel how you want about them playing in the first place. But kudos to them for being able to pull this off and they're nearing the finish line. So. Rant over in that sense. Let's pick some games. We got the LB slate, pretty decent, heavy SEC slate. I think there's four, maybe there's five games this week. We'll go through that. And then as Mike Francesa says, we'll get into the uh, league where they pay for play. Let's get this rolling. Here's a hot one to start for. Are you ready for this one? Georgia minus 35 and a half at home against Vanderbilt. Uh, if, if there's If there's a game that should be canceled, it might should be this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why this why this game is even being played. I mean, uh, it's ridiculous, but whatever. You know, uh, I, obviously Vanderbilt's a uh, disaster, and I've been told through the grapevine through a long time ago that this was uh, going to be the worst Vanderbilt team in a long time. And, uh, you know, but they had the special team player of the week, which was uh, pretty cool. Um, you know, man, whatever. Uh, you know, that's just a big number, but uh, – is Georgia that good? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's just a big number, but maybe uh, Vanderbilt. I, I just it's it, I just can't bet on. I, I'm going logical this week because I'm just not going to bet on bad teams because I like betting on bad teams. Hopefully Georgia um, comes through and it's uh, what can I can I maybe do forty five to three and get away with it? Yeah, or, that's, that's forty two easily thirty. Yeah, I mean, so. It's I'm going the same one. thing here. I mean, yeah, we're, it's just we're, a weird one. 
Yeah, I mean, we're I'm we're you're going UGA. It sounds like I'm going UGA. Look, this this goes back to my fun theory I kind of laid out a couple weeks ago. Obviously, when you when you wager on this, like this is supposed to be fun, and you know it's not fun. It's not begging Vanderbilt to hold on to a 35 and a half point underdog. That is not a fun viewing experience. I'm yeah. going Georgia. You know, Vanderbilt had all that stuff happen last week. Derek Mason gets fired. Don't think anyone thought that was surprising. You had, you know, Sarah Fuller kicking a game. I think that's a cool thing. I think the school set her up for failure. I don't think she asked for that. I think she took a very cool opportunity and made the most of it or tried to make the most of it. But just the 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 team quitting on Derek Mason, then him kind of putting her in that position in terms of, you know, the halftime locker room speech and all that other stuff that came with it. I think it took away from what was actual a pretty cool accomplishment in some respects. Um, so that I guess that's my, you know, take on that. You know, every every talk show host in the country has had something to say about this. I thought it was a cool thing. I thought the administration and uh, Derek Mason failed her in that sense and kind of, you know, leaving her susceptible to additional just like you know, online hate, all that nonsense or whatever because of the way they handled it. But anyway, Vanderbilt's a train wreck. We're going with Georgia here. There's not a ton of analysis to be had. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we, we literally spent, I think, too much time on analyzing the Georgia-Vanderbilt uh, game. Yeah, none of it was been analyzing anything on the field yeah. either, so, yeah. which might be the, the way Vanderbilt world prefers it. In, you know? Yeah, that's kind of the world we live in. Jeez. Not a better one really here. Uh, like we're, we're really easing into this slate this weekend in that sense. Kentucky is minus 11 and a half against South Carolina. I, man, this is a gross one. I wouldn't, obviously, we pick them all here. Uh, I wouldn't advise actually playing this game by any stretch of the word. I can't believe I'm about to do this, but I don't think Kentucky as currently constructed is 11 and a half points better than anyone. Mike Bobo is a competent human being. They have a quarterback that can physically throw it down the field. South Carolina doesn't have COVID issues. I, I'm going to look like an idiot for this, but I don't really care. I think I'm going to go South Carolina. I just don't trust Kentucky in their offensive ineptitude to cover something like this. So I guess give me the points of what a train wreck this game will probably be. Yeah. I think this is the, uh, seek help, uh, game. We got, this is, uh, at least, uh, yeah, man. Uh, if there's not an 800 number, uh, flashing on the bottom left hand corner of this one game, uh, wow, man, what a brutal game, but I have to agree with you. I mean, I think, uh, maybe South Carolina is a little bit better situation with Bobo. I don't know what they're going to do. I know they're going to have to hire somebody. I don't think they'll give Bobo the uh, job. But uh, Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky's been a disaster, and I just can't see them being a double-digit favor in this. So, yeah, uh, let's go go with you, uh, agree with you on this. Uh, it's either going to be a good week or a really bad week on the SEC. Yeah, those are the kind of the, we kind of swept the two crappy ones out under the rug yet, at least in terms of name recognition and kind of intrigue. These next couple are a little more enticing in that sense. And the first one we're going to come to, which I believe is the 230 game on CBS. Let me double check that real quick because I actually just lost the uh, my place here on this site. Where in the hell happened to this? Sorry. Yeah, 230 CBS game. Tennessee hosting Florida. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee did not play last week. There's been a lot of uh, Clay Travis induced rumblings about Jeremy Pruitt not being the guy and uh, some Hugh Freeze rumblings uh, regarding Tennessee and the way they've slipped. 
They've got apparently a little bit of a quarterback controversy. They got a young kid whose name is escaping me right now, who is apparently going to play in some capacity this week. Garantano has not been very good this year. They're plus 17 at home against Florida. And I'm going to go Tennessee here. And I'm going to tell you why Tennessee never beats Florida. The streak, whatever it is, is what it is. This is a kitchen sink game for Jeremy Pruitt. And I don't think he's going to win this game, but I can't imagine Florida being particularly interested in the December game. They're, you know, two games away from potentially competing in the college football playoff in the or two games from the SEC championship. No, one. No, two. Sorry, the 12th. I can't count today. And then potentially the college football playoff. You know, trap game is not as a nice cliche here, but I think Jeremy Pruitt, this is a kind of put up or shut up game here because if you get blown out by 20 plus points here at home by Florida, the uh the him being in the crosshairs and all that smoke about Hugh Freeze and then maybe pulling the trigger to move on is only going to intensify. How realistic is that? I'm not sure, but I'll go Tennessee here because I think this is kind of a last stand game for Pruitt. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh it's, it's a tough game. I mean, uh I, Tennessee's the type of program that will pull the trigger on buying out whoever's claws they need to buy out to get their coach. I mean, you know, Pruitt's had, uh, what, three? Is this his third or fourth year? Year three. Yeah, I mean, he should be able to, you know, be really making lemonade with uh, with the lemons and the sugar that he was uh, he was given, so... I just don't think it. I mean, like, I think uh, some. I think Clay Travis posted something. Uh, a call in, you know, told him that he uh, he should go back to Alabama or something like that. And man, it, like you were saying, uh, it's it's a put up or shut up game. Uh, I think it's a disaster. I think uh, they they didn't pick the right guy. I think it's almost kind of like a Joe Moorhead situation in Starkville. And. Uh, <laughs> I can literally see Dan Mullen, uh, you know, uh, sticking it to him, and you know, Garoppolo is no, it's what Giatano, what Garantano, yeah, Jared Garantano. I mean, how he's, I mean, how many years has that guy been there? And uh, you know, it just hadn't worked out. And uh, I, I hope Tennessee gets back on track, but uh, I think that if there's any job that Freeze would kind of lean towards I think it would be more of an east job more versus a west job just because I think he could be able to win a east championship you know easier you know than versus a west job so I think uh Hugh Freeze to Tennessee might be a good decent possibility you know it's just like I said it's a it's it's a game that uh if he doesn't cover the spread um you're going to see a change and I'm going to have to agree with you I think that um, hopefully they'll stick it up and, you know, just 21 some odd points is a lot of points to, uh, to not take in a, in, in a kind of a rivalry game where the coaches, uh, kind of, kind of seats on the line. So my thing is in another part of me thinking this was, is Kentucky was a 17 and a half point road dog to Florida last week in the swamp is Tennessee as bad as they played lately, that much worse than Kentucky. Cause it, the same line and you get them in Knoxville. So that was what was confusing to me. 
The Hugh Freeze to Tennessee thing would be hilarious because, one, that would be basically two coups Clay Travis has orchestrated amongst the Tennessee fan base. And if you need a sign that Tennessee is never happening again, it's like a power struggle between an Internet blogger and Phil Fulmer as to who has say in the athletic department. You know, yeah. one orchestrated a coup to get the athletic director job last uh, last coach exerts, and the other one basically got Greg Schiano fired and basically catapulted the other uh, the other occurrence to happening, that being Fulmer to the athletic de- I, the athletic director job in the process. That's all the evidence you need that this is never happening again for Tennessee. But Mullen and Freeze rekindling the Egg Bowl flame at a kind of a bigger brand name rivalry would be hilarious because you could talk to Tennessee and Florida fans in five years and be like, glad that's over with uh, when yeah. they're both gone because, you know, <laughs> they act like children and whatnot. I think that would be funny to see, but we're in agreement there. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're dumb. I'm actually going to lock Tennessee here. I'm going to go kitchen sink game for Tennessee. You don't win the game. You got to put up a fight. If you lose by more than 20, then you might have. I mean, if you lose by more than 17, I should say you might have uh, the pastor Hugh in Knoxville next year. So we will, uh, we'll see how that one plays. I mean, I'm actually intrigued by that game and I don't really have a great reason why other than what we just outlined. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just said uh, it used to be a high profile game and it used to be uh, whoever uh, won that game, won the, the East, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's very tempting not to lock it with you, but uh, I'm just going to just uh, hope and pray that they show up and uh, just take uh, take the win if I can get it. Probably the matchup of the day is unfortunately an 11 a.m. game. You got Auburn and Texas A&M. Auburn was really non-competitive in the Iron Bowl last week. Alabama, even without Nick Saban, was clicking on all cylinders, played very well. Auburn just not very good offensively. Bo Nix is terrible on the road. His home versus road splits are something to, remarkable to behold. I would encourage you to go look that up. I don't have if you're bored. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but he's really bad at home and actually a pretty good college, or excuse me, really bad on the road and actually a pretty good college quarterback at home. Really kind of a bizarre thing here. Uh, A and M is minus six and a half on the road here. I think A&M feels like they have a good shot to get into the college football playoff, despite not really having much of a chance to win the SEC West at all. I think they're, you know, they had a very workmanlike effort against LSU last week. I think the offense plays better this week, even against Auburn's defense, which is pretty good. I don't think Auburn's explosive. I'm done putting any stock into Auburn. I actually like the Aggies here to roll, and I'll lock this one as well. So I'll go two locks in college. Yeah, I'm going to have to lock it with you. You know, I just think that – it just seems like the SEC really wants Texas A&M to, uh, to do really, really good for some strange reason. So I'm just going to go with it just on that basis. They got a pretty good ch- – the SEC has a good chance to get two playoff teams in because you got two teams. One of the teams of the SEC championship game at least is getting in. You know, if Florida – probably the best outcome to get two in for the SEC is to Florida to beat Alabama – because a one-loss Alabama team is probably still getting in with all the chaos going on in the other conferences. I mean, are you going to put a four or a five and zero Ohio State team or a nine and one or ten and one Alabama team? That would be the hilarious debate that would break people's brains. But anyway, but you got AM sitting there too. That's probably going to finish the season nine and one, sitting idle. SEC's got a good shot at getting two uh, teams in the college football playoffs. So. Wouldn't sleep on that at all just yet. But yeah, I think AM's a good football team. And I wish the Alabama game had come later in the season. 
uh, as opposed to the second week, because I think we would have gotten a more competitive contest. I think that A&M defense has really found itself. You know, Mond is what he is at this point, as much as I hate that phrase. Um, but I think you would have gotten a much more competitive game. And it kind of stinks that that game was in September. But, hey, they should have beat him then or at least played more competitively. Um, so we're both going a- A&M there and locking it. I uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm not not big on Auburn in this matchup. Um, let's see. Last SEC game we have this week, Missouri is a three-point favorite at home against Arkansas. This is an interesting line because the lust is kind of worn off of Arkansas and the Sam Pittman coach of the year train because they play Ar- they play Alabama the next week. So if Arkansas loses this game, Sam Pittman's going three and seven, and that doesn't diminish the job he's done, but he's not winning SEC coach of the year with that record. And at the end of the day, you know, three and seven respectable in a 10-game slate considering what he took over. But uh, not the world beater they appeared to be in the first month of the season. Um, I don't understand this line. I'll take the bait and I'll go Arkansas uh, because, you know, Pittman does beat bad teams. Um, so or at least he appears to have so far. So this feels like a sucker line that I'm going to hit myself over the head over later. But I'll go Arkansas here. I actually think they're a little bit better than A&M. Uh, excuse me, a little bit better than Missouri. I don't know where I got A&M from. Yeah, I was about to say. I was like, "Wait, you're uh, wait, wait." Uh, <laughs> no, I, um, you know, uh, obviously Missouri, uh, you know, beat up on a on a really bad Vanderbilt team last week, and don't know how much confidence that gives you. But uh, you know, I, I, Felipe Franks is a good quarterback, and I want to kind of you know give Sam Pittman the benefit of the doubt, but. I'm going to go on the other side here. I'm going to see – I'm going to take the better coach of the year candidate in uh, Drinkowitz, and uh, I think this is almost kind of the co-defense – I mean, co, uh, uh, co, you know, uh, coach of the year, you know, candidate for the SEC. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin's got a good shot to win the uh, coach of the year, honestly, especially if they, you know, play these last two games. Oh, I, I agree. If, if Ole Miss wins the last two games, they find a way to beat A&M. I think it probably ends up going to Mullen because he finally got over the hump with Florida and won the East. If you're a regular listener to our podcast, uh, one, thank you very much. And two, you'll know a couple of weeks ago and Colin Brister and I at our postgame show and when Ole Miss had a bye week two weeks ago, discussed this at length. I actually wrote an article at one of the places I freelance for it about it. Kiffin's got a case and he's got a better case than Pittman despite the head to head. And it's probably going to Mullen, but if Kiffin can somehow pull off six and four, he's got a really, really good argument. Um, that being said, I'll tell you who's not winning podcaster of the year, me, because I'm putting wrong teams in games here where I just said A&M instead of Missouri on Arkansas. And then I called this the last SEC game of the week where there's the CBS night game doubleheader against Alabama LSU that I just completely whiffed on. I'm going to blame the sheet that I'm looking at because it is further down uh, than the rest of the SEC games. But I don't know what the hell I was thinking. This was on paper supposed to be the marquee matchup. This is a remarkable line. Do you know what this line is? Have you seen this, Greg? Is it 24 and a half? No, it, well, you were close. So the defending national champion LSU Tigers at home against the Alabama Crimson Tide are 29 point underdogs. That is remarkable to me. That's that's mind blowing. I mean, that's real. I mean, wow. You know, I Terrence mean, Marshall opts out. Their backup quarterback Brennan's not playing. I get why, but just the optics of that—the defending national champs, twenty-nine point home dogs to anyone—just insane. Yeah, that's 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 mind blowing for sure. Uh, man, you know, and Alabama's a good man. They're good. <laughs> they they are. 
I mean, it just seems like they re, re you know, uh, this is almost kind of like the back in the uh, Florida, Florida State. They, you know, they just re reload on uh, talent, and they really do, man. Uh, I, I, I just can't see that, man. I just really can't see that. I mean, regardless, I mean, I know LSU, you know, lost a bunch of uh, seniors uh, off that national championship team, but man. I mean, they still have talent on on both sides of the ball, and uh, I mean, man, I, I can't. I mean, I would be shocked, but I wouldn't really be shocked if it like Saban went in there and did like a fifty-five to ten, you know, or you know, or something like that. I just wouldn't be shocked on that. But uh, it's hard for me to take 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 that. But. I think I'm actually talked myself into it. I actually, I think I'm going to take Alabama on this. I really, I think it's just, uh, I think LSU is a disaster. I'm taking Alabama as well. And I'll give you two reasons why I think you're right is one LSU is limping to the finish line. As I mentioned, backup quarterback, their best receiver, Terrence Marshall just opted out. They have all the off the field stuff surrounding them, whether it's from the NCAA and Odell Beckham's thing to you know, the USA Today ran a very good piece of journalism about how they terribly mishandled sexual assault. And I don't mean to lump those two things together, but in just terms of bad energy around the program, LSU feels like a sinking ship fast. And, you know, it was kind of the hot take earlier in the season to compare Ed Orgeron to Gene Chizik, where Gene Chizik <laughs> rides Cam Newton's coattails and then gets canned a couple years later. Um, but I, I just I, I I thought I was going to believe in Ed. I just I don't. I mean, this this feels like it's going to go downhill in a hurry. And my second reason is I'll give you an over under prop bet of three and a half on how many times the broadcast shows the video of Ed in the locker room last year after beating Alabama. Um, where he, you know, have you seen, you know, the video I'm talking about where oh, yeah. one of the players, the play, one of the players actually got kind of scolded for video, but he's like, oh, yeah. we're going to kick There's their no ass in recruiting. We're going to kick their ass, whatever. We're going to kick their ass every time we see them. Yeah. And I don't think Saban has forgotten that one at all. And so I do not think the gas pedal will be relinquished here. I think like you said, I mean, this, this feels 55, 17 ish in my mind. So yeah. Bama, but I actually have confidence in this. I'm not going to use three locks of the five on college football, just because uh, I probably would have done this instead of Tennessee. If I wasn't an idiot and didn't see this game on the sheet, but well, yeah, uh, no, I, you can switch it. Riffy. This is our, own, this is our podcast, man. We can, we, we, we control the rules. I, that is true. There are no rules on this podcast. The yeah. only rules is just like fight club. Don't talk. I about mean, fight shit, club. I, I literally bet the jets last week. And I mean, come on, you know, you got, I mean, that's embarrassing. We banned each other from betting the New York teams like five times Ooh. and continue to break it. So if you need evidence, there's no rules on this show. I'll stick with the Tennessee pick just because, you know, at the same time, it is 29 and a half points on a road yeah, favorite sure. against the defending <laughs> national champions. But, hey, I'll stick with it. So we're both going Bama there to wrap out the SEC slate. What a, you know, the, the, the CBS crew wastes their one doubleheader. You know, they're only allowed to have one day-night doubleheader per year. And they waste it on Alabama LSU, which it's not really wasting it because, right, on paper, you get it. Defending national champions, Alabama yeah, going I mean, to Baton Rouge. People, for sure. You couldn't have forecasted the disaster that was coming at LSU, but what just a crappy game to have is the nightcap. But be that as it may, that's our SEC slate. You use one lock on AM. I used two. I used one on AM, and I used one on Tennessee as we transition, as the great Mike Francesa says, to the league where they play for pay. We've got a much fuller NFL slate this week. You know, we missed some with the uh, 
with the Thanksgiving games last week before we recorded. Then you had the Bears, not the Bears, the Ravens Steelers debacle and all kinds of stuff last week. A pretty full slate of games this week. We're going to get two Monday night games, if I'm not mistaking, and a Tuesday night game of which the lines don't appear to have been set. So I might have to look for that elsewhere here in just a second. But be that as it may, a full slate of 12 o'clock games. I think it's a seven game, eight, seven game, 12 o'clock slate uh, upcoming. First one, we'll go, oh, gross. They're starting off with the gross games this week. Bears, Lions. Chicago is minus three against the Matt Patricialist Detroit Lions. Um this is this is like my this is my absolute worst case scenario here, Greg, because I have sworn off both these teams. I said I've been done with the Bears, which paid off for me last week on Sunday Night Football, and I've been done with the Lions for two weeks, which paid off for me on Thursday afternoon football last week. I guess I'll take the Bears because of their defense, but I would not advise touching this game with a 15-foot pole. Um, so I'll go – I'll go the Bears just because they're at home and they have a competent defense. No, actually, I'm, I hate watching them. No, Trubisky was better last week. I'm, I'm indecisive in the process. Despite them getting blown out, the Packers, see, the, the dirty little secret about the Sunday night game last week was Trubisky was actually okay. Like, he wasn't good, but he was better than Foles. But the Packers' offense played lights out against that Bears defense. So I'll go Bears here, actually. I'm done with the Lions. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, what are they going to do with Mitchell Trubisky after this? I mean, you know, even if he does look good these last games, I mean, this is his contract. So, I mean. Oh, they're done with him. He's just less bad than Foles, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know. I'm a big believer in uh, when they get rid of a coach in the middle of the season, there's a point for that. So, um, I think Detroit turns it around whenever Matt Patricia uh, leaves. So, uh, I'm going to pull the trigger on that. Uh, sign me up for that. Uh, I'm going to go with the the not Matt Patricia Detroit Lions. Okay, that what a absolute try. That that is going to yeah, be a disgusting I mean, football should, game. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about here? Maybe the under. Take the under. What a yeah, the deal. under over under is forty four and a half. That's actually probably a pretty yeah. good value play. Yeah, because most of these offenses are awful. That you know the you you back when. A couple of years ago, you had a the NFL season where you had a couple of really strong defenses and like six or seven putrid offenses, and you got a couple NFL over-unders in the high 30s, which is always enticing to go with the over. This feels like a game that should have been in the 30s in terms of the over-under, but it's a 44 and a half. So that's probably the play here. Um, not much better coming into this next game. Bengals, or excuse me, Dolphins, Bengals. This was way higher than I would have guessed if you made me guess the line blindly. It's a Dolphins minus 11, and the Bengals hung in there and covered against the Giants last week. Dolphins are a little bit of a different animal. Um, You know, no Joey covers. I don't know if Brandon Allen or uh, Finley or whatever the second-string quarterback's name is for the Bengals is playing. I don't think it matters. The Dolphins are in a thick wildcard race in the AFC. That's a pretty good wildcard race. There's going to be a nine, 10 win team left out. I think they take care of business here. I'll go Miami. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, Miami, uh, they, they look good against the jets last week, but, uh, <laughs> everybody looks good against the jets for some strange reason. Uh, man, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I dropped a, a little hint that the dolphins would be a, uh, playoff team you know and challenge for the east and uh 
you know, uh, we got a good value bet out of it, but you know, the, the bills are just too good. And, uh, you know, maybe they found something you know, and, uh, is to a play in this year, this week or no. Uh, yeah, I believe Tua is playing this week, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I also don't want to run sobriety tests on you, but are you aware you locked Jets' money line last week? Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I've had worse this season. That's not the worst pick this season by far, but I couldn't help but to uh, look at the sheet and go, yeah, we'll, we'll, mark that we'll down wrong? To, yeah, we'll have to chalk that up to Greg had too many edibles. Uh, pick, uh, <laughs> Good so, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. so yeah, no, we're, uh, I, I, I like the Dolphins' role here. I, I mean, you know, just... And this would be the most sucker bet of all, you know, just literally. Um, um, but, yeah, no, I like the Dolphins. Let's let's go with it. I agree. I think they rolled. The next one we have is actually a fascinating game. Deshaun Watson, you know, I, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week, and the, one of the hosts made a good point. They were like, they were posing the question, do you have a witness protection player in, in the NFL? which means like get him out of his current situation as soon as possible. And I think the consensus favorite is to get Deshaun Watson out of the just disaster that is the Houston Texans organization. And I could not agree more. I mean, he's a unanimous pick in terms of this weird segment the guy posed, but um, he's a delight to watch play football. And I really feel bad for him because you stick him, Greg, I'd make the argument, even if you stuck him on the jets, they're in the playoff race. Like, I think you maybe not the Jets. Maybe that's a little extreme. If you stuck Deshaun Watson on 30 of the other 31 teams in the NFL, that's a team in the playoff race right now. And it's a damn shame that we don't get to watch him play significant football in December and January. That's why Deshaun Watson ran. It's Houston plus three at home against the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts, Colts lost big to the Titans last week. They had all kinds of COVID issues on defense. It was basically a scout team defense down like five starters. I think the Colts rebound here and get a win because they're in the thick of a wild card race that is really tightening up in the AFC. And they're only seven and four. They're a game back from the division, but they're also a game back from not being in the playoffs. They need this worse. Deshaun Watson's awesome to watch, but the Colts defense is good at full strength. I'm going to go Indy here and actually lock this. Um, man, you know, where, uh, where do you think Deshaun Watson's best fit would be? You know, if you were his agent and you, you know, uh, had the controls, I mean, where would you put Deshaun? Wat- like, where would you put him? Well, so one, I don't think this is going to happen because the way the NFL is structured, once the quarterback signed, well, one quarterbacks don't get traded in general, which I hate. Because, you know, as much as in the NBA, as first round picks have been devalued, like you don't like I wish you'd start seeing in the NFL um, got, like quarterbacks, uh, teams that need a quarterback, grab a good one off a bad team for like four first round picks or something absurd. I think that would make the league more fun. Um, but to answer your question, so one, I don't think it's going to happen Two, man. I don't know. I mean, Chicago, can you imagine if Deshaun Watson had the Bears defense? They'd win the Super Bowl. Allen Robinson, the Bears have sneaky good weapons. They just have horrible quarterback play. You put Deshaun Watson on the Bears, and the Bears are probably playing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't think that's hyperbolic at all. So I think I'd go Bears. Um, if you stuck him over Kirk Cousins on the Vikings, same thing. There's there's a number of places that could use Deshaun Watson services. I know that's a shocking take to have, but it's a damn shame he's stuck on the Texans. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say, I was thinking Denver. I think John Elway might would pull the trigger on him. Denver's um, a really good one. I didn't think of that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm actually gonna go with uh, with with the hot hand here. Uh, 
I know that Romeo Carmel has, uh, you know, had some opportunities as a head coach in the NFL. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, the right time, the right situation. And, uh, you know, he's done a really good job with the Texans uh, once uh, O'Brien, you know, left. So I'm, I'm actually going to go with the hot hand here, and I'm going to go with Houston. Uh, I like the plus three. I haven't gotten a good feel of any of the three games that we picked so far. Um, so I, I tend to, like, I don't, I don't, fought that pick at all i just think the colts need to rebound the next one really not much of a feel for either minnesota is minus 10 at home against the jacksonville jaguars mike glennon played last week the browns are a different defense without miles garrett but you can't go down and cover against the one in 10 now one in 10 jacksonville jaguars that's why i don't believe in cleveland or baker mayfield at all we'll get to them in a minute um, but Minnesota's kind of the same way. I don't know how Minnesota won that game last week against the Panthers. They gave the Panthers back-to-back defensive touchdowns. They were down 11 in the fourth quarter and then scored a touchdown late to win the game by one. I don't really buy the Vikings much because of the brand of football they've been playing. I hope they prove me wrong because I think they're they're still in the playoff hunt. They could actually be pretty good, but I don't see them beating anyone by 10. So uh, I'll take the one in 10 losers of 10 in a row, Jacksonville Jaguars, as crazy as this sounds. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really sound that crazy. I mean, uh, we uh, I was looking at the sheet, and we were putting our parlay bets in, and uh, uh, my buddy was like, man, I really like Minnesota minus three, and for some strange reason, I was like, I bet they win by one point or two points. <laughs> or, Prophetic, you know, dude. Or just something, you know, just something, you know, uh, and they literally struggled the whole game, and sure enough, they won by one point, and uh, – Man, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get with Kirk Cousins. And, uh, you know, I can see them sticking with the run and, you know, Dalvin Cook uh, running the ball uh, just, you know, and controlling the game. But, man, you know, uh, you, you always uh, never doubt the professional, uh, out, uh, the athlete. So I'm, I'll actually like it. I'm going to go with Jacksonville with you. I like it. Five games into these lines now, uh, looking at this next one we're about to get to, I'm going to officially declare this that I have no clue week, and I'm just going to throw my hands up. So this could potentially be a catastrophic week on my and Greg. I don't have a feel for any of these games we've picked so far. And the next couple are not really any better as I look down the list, and we'll start with the next one. The New York Jets are plus eight and a half at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the Jets looked better against the Chargers two weeks ago. They covered the game, actually had a chance to go down and tie it late, and then just looked utterly hapless with Sam Darnold back against the Dolphins last week. They're plus eight against the Las Vegas Raiders, who just lost 43-6 to six against the Man. Atlanta Falcons. You talk about it. So, you know, Whew. I keep talking about this AFC wildcard race. You talk about being one of the sexy picks to make the AFC title game to – maybe probably missing the playoffs in two weeks. That was the most consequential loss any NFL team in the playoff hunt has had this season. The uh, the Raiders are now very much at six and five on the outside looking in. If you look at these AFC standings, they're not out of it by any means, but they went from really sitting pretty nearly knocking off the Chiefs on Monday night football or Sunday night football in the game of Derek Carr's life to their own life support in terms of their playoff hopes. So, I don't feel great about this, but I'll avoid the trap and say the Raiders have a get-right game and beat the Jets because everyone beats the Jets. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, uh, the Raiders were almost of uh, being the uh, only team to beat the Chiefs two times in uh, one year. So, 
Uh, man, yeah, it's uh, and I, you know, I was totally on the the Raiders last week, and uh, sure enough, Atlanta shows up, and uh, you know, the Raiders look really, really bad, but the Jets are a disaster. I mean, I'm uh, I, I really uh, I. <laughs> What would, I think I saw a picture that the Jets uh, drafted the girl kicker from Vanderbilt uh, with their first oh, pick. Geez. <laughs> I was just, you know, I was just trying to laugh about that. Um, that's just how bad the Jets are. And uh, uh, I don't even, I mean, you know, I know you dropped the, the uh, Deshaun Watson could go to the Jets, but man, uh, I, I think the Jets are a disaster and uh, I, I'm just going to stick with it. And uh, just hopefully the, the Raiders just had a bad week uh, in Atlanta, or you know something, or they, or something didn't happen, or whatnot. But uh, I, I think the Raiders are going to bounce back this week. I, I have to agree with you. Let's go with the Raiders. Godspeed to Trevor Lawrence in a few months, because he's going to need it because that organization is an abject disaster. This next one, not much of a feel either. Much of a feel either. I can't talk today. Uh, Atlanta plus three at home against the Taysom Hill New Orleans Saints. I botched this game last week. I rode, you know, Atlanta. I thought I had them figured out for a while and I thought I was riding them in the right places and, you know, like staying away from them on the right places as well. And it last week really just threw me for a loop. Really the last two, you know, they go into new Orleans and Taysom Hill's first start and don't really play much of a competitive game. Um, I guess the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I have not been impressed with what I've seen from Taysom Hill through two games. So I'll go Atlanta plus three here at home. Um, I am actually, Greg, you know, you're the Saints fan, so I'd be curious to get your thoughts. He played okay against the Falcons two weeks ago the first time, but most of his yardage came on that one pass that looked like a punt. I mean, for God's sake. And then you can't really tell last week, but he wasn't very good against that Denver defense for the most part. I, I just, I don't understand. Like, to me, this is Sean Payton's like fatal flaw where, you know, he, sometimes he gets overly aggressive and stubborn with play calls. He's so bought into Taysom Hill. He's acted different towards the media in terms of backing up Taysom Hill. He has this infatuation with this guy where if I were a Saints fan, I'd want to see Jameis, man. I want to see him roll. I think Jameis could actually take them through the playoffs if needed and win a game. I think Breeze will probably hopefully be back for the Saints sake. I just don't understand the Taysom Hill thing, and that's why I'm taking the Falcons, I guess, to avoid getting on a rant. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I sit here and try not to agree with you because I'm a Saints fan, and I just uh, – I don't understand it either. Uh, I just – you know, I, I'm not a slap in the face to Jameis Winston, and he's not a uh, a decent uh, NFL quarterback, but I, I just uh, – man, it, it's just so much uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson just – he can't throw. I mean, you know, but he's he brings a wrinkle to the offense. I guess that some coordinators like to do. Or, man, you know, just keep it basic. You know, uh, I, I'm I, I can't take the the Falcons much less against the Saints. But I mean, obviously, I'm going to take the Saints here. But uh, I think you're kind of right on your pick right here. But uh, you know, but I'm just not a Taysom Hill fan. I, I mean, I if if he is the uh, future, then, um, you know, I just don't – I think the Saints are going to turn into uh, the Ravens of the NFC. They're going to have a really, really good defense and uh, just a skeptical, you know, if you stop the running kind of semi-passing quarterback, uh, you'll, you'll get it done. But it used to be the other way around. You know, the, deep, uh, the Saints used to have some 
skeptical defense and, you know, would outscore uh, points, uh, I mean, outscore opponents and try to, you know, and beat, you know, have the, have the uh, ball at the, the last possession, you know, to kick the field goal or, or score the touchdown. So, um, you know, I don't know what's going on with Sean Payton and his factuation with Tyson Hill, but uh, I don't, I don't think it's the answer. And I think that uh, maybe uh, you might need to pull the trigger on Jameis. I agree. Jameis isn't bad. Jameis turns the ball over, and now you're seeing Tom Brady throw all kinds of picks. Maybe the stadium's cursed in down in Tampa. What do I know? All I'm saying is, and I think you're right. It's not. It's not. I think Sean Payton believes it deep down. I think he's just too prideful in the short term because he paid Taysom all that money in the offseason that he's going to go with Taysom now. But there's no way someone as smart as as, uh, Sean Payton is football-wise looks at this and thinks he has something long-term. There's just no way. And if he wants any sort of career after Drew Brees leaves continued with the New Orleans Saints, he knows this. And I know he knows this because he's acting like a child anytime someone asks him a question, you know, kind of suggesting the opposite. So I think this is a Tebow-like experiment that's not going to end well. So... You go Saints because, I mean, you could still win the game, Taysom Hill. The Falcons aren't any good. I just don't see this uh, long-term at all. So, anyway, we'll go opposite sides here, but, like, I don't really blame either pick in that sense. Like, you know, the Saints could will their way to a 5-7 point victictory, whatever. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm that defense go with is good. Falcons. Yeah, I mean, that Saints defense is, is pretty solid. I mean, that front four is decent. Next one is like five weeks ago. I told you this is the fraud bowl because I was very down on my Tennessee Titans. They're minus five at home against the Cleveland Browns. And I, I feel pretty good at this and not much analysis. I don't think the Browns are beating anyone good. I don't think they will beat anyone good. If you look at their schedule, they're going to sleepwalk their way to 10 wins. The Titans defense has been much better the last week. And I think Derrick Henry, even with miles Garrett back runs it down their throat. I love the Titans in this spot. And I'll actually, I'll save my lock because we got a couple games left and I only have two left. So I'll, um, but I'm going Titans here. I don't think the the Browns are going to be in the playoffs, which will be great for that franchise for that landmark sake. But I don't think they're very good. And uh, I'm much higher on the Titans than I was three weeks ago. That's back-to-back road wins for my Titans against the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts to pretty much save their season. So I'm, uh, I'm loving the Titans in this spot. Yeah, I think I had the Titans as one of my locks last week. And, uh, you know, I think I actually had the money line. So, uh, man, I, I think A.J. Brown and the Titans are, you know, are, are sleeper good. And uh, I, it's, it's hard not to take them right here. And uh, I, I think they roll for sure. I like the Titans, too. This is one of those classic games where the I think the Titans like roll them by 12 to 15 points. And even though the Browns are firmly entrenched in a playoff spot, most of the narrative on national talk radio or even Cleveland talk radio is about what you do next year moving on from Baker. Because the rest of the Brown team is ready to launch, man. They have the best running game in the NFL. They're a nasty defense of Miles Garrett. But Baker Mayfield is just really like Mark Sanchez in that sense where it'll carry you for a year or two when your defense is you know, filthy, but when you start, got to start paying other guys, he's not very good. And I, I think that's kind of, I, I can very easily see that being the narrative surrounding this game after this week. So I think the Titans roll. Um, yeah, and maybe, I actually, uh, maybe, uh, Cleveland goes after, uh, Deshaun Watson and trades, uh, Baker Mayfield and draft picks. 
<laughs> that would be kind of nuts. That would be pretty wild, to be honest. But anyway, if, you, if you put Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, one Cleveland, like their history, they deserve that finally. But I would, I would, I would bet on them to win the Super Bowl even out of the AFC if that happened. And I don't think that's too crazy because the the the, the Deshaun, what we've been, you know, what we've been robbed of most of all to go back to this Deshaun Watson conversation is a couple of epic Mahomes Watson battles. Just because of the absolute crap that Deshaun Watson is surrounded around versus Mahomes. I think Mahomes is better. I think he's just a generational talent. But, man, Watson is so sick if you watch the things he does on a play-in, play-out basis behind a not very good offensive line and a receiving core that no longer includes Newt Hopkins. So that's the real crime here is the battles of Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes that we've been robbed of the last couple years. Hopefully it changes. Maybe they get some guys behind him, but – this has been a big Deshaun Watson rant podcast. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, he's a good player, and we uh, we expect we we uh, respect good players, and we watch good players. I actually like this next game very much too. Seattle is minus ten at home against the New York Football Giants, who them and the Redskins are now in the driver's seat in the NFC East. They're playing much better football than the Cowboys, and the Cowboys the Cowboys getting embarrassed that way by the Redskins on. So on, thir- on Thanksgiving afternoon was really kind of eye opening because they were at full strength or close to it again. And it just, it just was not good. And they're poorly coached. So I actually, like I keep mentioning, I like the giants to win this division. I mentioned that three weeks ago, they play hard for Joe judge. Danny dimes is not turning the football over here. This is too many points for me because that Seahawks defense is not very good. And so the Titans, will, excuse me, the giants will be able to move the football enough to, I think 10 is way too many here. I'm walking the giants here. Uh, and this is at the giants. No, this is in Seattle. It's giants plus 10 in Seattle, but hell, I mean, even if this was, you know, plus seven or whatever in New York, I'd love the giants here. So this is plus 10 in Seattle. I don't think the giants are a bad football team, man. You look, they've lost a lot of close games because Dan, Danny Dimes is turning the football over early in the season, but I think they're actually a halfway decent team and Seattle is good because of Wilson, but their defense stinks and they're going to allow too many points to cover 10. In my opinion, I love this lock. Uh, well, I'm going to lock on the other side. I like Seattle. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I, I mean, the NFC East is a disaster. I mean, there's going to be a uh, sub 500 team make uh, hosting a playoff game. If that gives you any idea of how bad that uh, conference is. And, uh, maybe it is the the Giants. I actually like the Washington football team to uh, to win that uh, NFC East for some strange reason. But uh, no, they, no, Alex Smith is a good quarterback. You cringe yeah. every time because you hope he doesn't story. get killed. It's a good story. There, I would argue to, to your point. You like the Skins, and I don't necessarily hate them either because they have, like you're a big Terry McLaurin guy. You become a yeah. prophet on that. He's starting to get that national recognition now. If you've noticed. Man, he's he's a ball player, man, and uh, you know, uh, kudos to him. You know, he. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm uh, I, like I said, uh, I, I'm slightly pulling the trigger, and I think Ron Rivera is a good coach. You know, and uh, uh, maybe he just needed a refresh button. You know, getting out of Carolina is it is what it is. You know, there's uh, certain people that get your uh, careers revived uh, whenever you leave a certain slot. So. Um, I, I, I like the I like the skins. I know this is not a uh, we're not picking the skins here, but um, I think uh, Seattle is just uh, that DK Metcalf guy, man. I mean, he just uh, he's just a uh, he's a he's a he's a, he's a he's a monster, and uh, I, I think that uh, Seattle uh, literally wins by two uh, two touchdowns here, and 
I might be wrong, and uh, Seattle might be up two touchdowns, and the garbage uh, Marty Moose touchdown comes in and clips me, but so be it. But uh, I think Seattle's a better football team, and I think they're two touchdowns better than them. This might be the most we've disagreed on a game in the year and a half we've been doing this because I feel more confident in this than I did that Auburn-Tennessee game a couple oh, weeks wow. ago. But with the, even with that aside, what's wild about the whole NFC East deal is the fact that we're 12 weeks into the season and you can say with a straight face that the Washington football team and the New York Giants have significantly better quarterback play than the Eagles and the Cowboys. Like That just seems insane to say, but it's kind of true. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'll have to agree, you know. Uh, it's just uh, Alex Smith's a great feel-good story. Well, I mean, you know, uh, uh, I, I mean, I just think it's, it would be a fitting, you know, maybe him uh, win comeback of the year and they, you know, make the playoffs and win the East. And uh, I don't know. I just I just think uh, I just like the, the football team for some strange reason. As we head further into the afternoon slate, the next game we have is actually a really, this is might be the most enticing game of the weekend, uh, in my opinion. This is the Arizona Cardinals plus three against the LA Rams. Goff had one of those games last week where like he hadn't screwed up anything in a while. He looked like he was playing pretty good football. And then the first seven drive or first five drives, at least of that L of that LA Rams San Francisco game last week was just peak if you're a golf hater, you put that film on repeat. It was a disaster. And now both of these teams really need this win. The Rams need it to stay pace with the Seattle Seahawks in that division race where the Cardinals have, I guess, an outside shot to win that division, but not really. They're two games back in the loss column and split with Seattle um, in terms of the head-to-head. They're a loss away from really being in a tough position in the in the wild card spot. So... I just I don't know what to make of Arizona. I don't think they're very well coached. I think King Cliff Kingsbury's clock management is awful. I think Murray is good, but they don't really do much else other than expect him to throw it 15 yards down the field and scramble. I'm going to go with the better defense here against my will. I, I really want to take the Cardinals here, but I'm going to go L.A. Rams minus three on the road because I think they rebound and play play pretty good defense. And so. You know, Arizona doesn't have a great pass rush. You lost Chandler Jones, and that Goff hates pressure. So I think this plays in. I think this matchup plays in his hands. I'll go Rams here. I think they're better coached. Yeah, I I would probably take the over in this game. That would just be you know only forty eight. Yeah, I would probably take the over in this game. I just that's just my first hunch on it. Picking a side is kind of tough, you know. Uh, it seems like uh, you were. I mean, you've hit you hit that nail on the head. Whenever uh, the clock management of Cliff Ginsbury, I mean, you just uh, the the hail mary game. They literally were up with the ball with uh, two minutes and some odd seconds, and he threw the ball like two times in a row, and Buffalo got the time. You know, I just I I don't think that. Uh, He's he's a he's a good coach, but you know it is what it is, and I think Kyler Murray brails him out on just strictly uh, talent and uh, you know Hopkins on the field. But I, I like Rams here. I think uh, I, I'm going to have to go with you. I just think that uh, for some strange reason that uh, McVay is going to get it taken care of for us on this uh, for sure. Next one is Packers minus nine at home against the Eagles. And if, you know, we, we've talked a lot this year about Carson Wentz just being a broken quarterback. I don't understand this guy. Was probably the league MVP if he doesn't tear his ACL in 2017. 
you know, last year carried a really hapless team in terms of weapons because of injuries to the playoffs was good in 2018 until he got injured the next year again. And just really is like, I mean, this sounds dumb, but like has forgotten how to play quarterback. His, his internal clock is terrible. Granted his offensive line stinks and his weapons aren't very good, but he just looks incompetent. So I don't have much analysis here. I think the Packers, the Packers love to beat bad teams. I think they beat the hell out of them. Yeah. I'm Packers minus nine. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to lock this one. I think the Packers are going to roll. I mean, this is just, uh, uh, I, I know that the, uh, the Eagles obviously know what the spread is on, uh, on, uh, on games, which, you know, touche, you know, that's, that's nice. Uh, um, that was, uh, that was, I, I still can't get over. I mean, literally whenever I was like, Oh my God, I was like, they're about to go for two. And like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, why Worst they, beat of the year. Why Unbelievable. Would they, why would they go? And like, I literally looked at my the lamp, you know, and I'm like, why would they go for two? You know? And, uh, man, it is what it is, whatever. Uh, but you know, uh, I think that, you know, yeah, no, I think the Eagles are done. I, I'm, I'm not going to take it at all. Yeah. I mean, this is just one of the, yeah. I mean, I, 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 not much analysis to be had here as we move on to the final late slate game on Thursday I and mean, on Sunday afternoon, uh, kind of an interesting game here. Uh, the Pat, the Pats are minus one at the LA chargers. This is such a conflicting game because like, I hate Cam Newton. Like the, I, I say, I hate Cam Newton. That sounds dumb. I hate the way he's been playing and I hate the fit with new England right now where that gets cam on a power running team. And you know, cam won a game last week where he didn't throw for a hundred yards. He's not playing well. Conversely, they're well coached. And then you go to the other side. I love Herbert, man. He, he looks like a baller, but they have the worst coach team in the league. So, um, it's Chargers plus one, and I'm going to just basically equate this to Belichick versus Anthony Lynn and give me Belichick. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sit here and kind of try to agree with you, but, I mean, this is My just, last lock, uh, too. Okay, well, I'm going to lock up the Chargers on this. Uh, this is uh, this is one of my travel rule games. So, uh, as you can see, my two travel travel rule games are locks, and that's going to be Seattle and, uh, and the Chargers, so... Um, I, I just, you know, I, this is just uh, basic rules, what I've always bet. And uh, actually, the uh, travel rule last week was five and one. So i um, just going to stay with the hot hand. So this is a travel rule game for me. So I actually like the Chargers a lot here. So, uh, you know, I, I know that Anthony Lynn versus Belichick is an easy uh, pick, uh, who to pick the right one. But. I just think uh, Herbert's going to be uh, is is going to pull through, and uh, they've lost a lot of uh, close games this year. And uh, maybe he's going to maybe he's going to pull through pull through for me on the travel rule. It wouldn't stun me at all because the the Patriots, you know, they had they get back in the playoff hunt by beating the Ravens on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago, and then just lay an absolute egg against Houston. So this wouldn't stun me at all. But like, if this is a two point game in the fourth quarter, I know who's coaching staff I'm betting on. So we've got two locks against each other this week. This should uh this should make a uh, make for quite the juicy week. We uh, sure. Unfortunately, we have kind of a crappy Sunday night football game. It's the Chiefs minus 14 against the Broncos. Broncos, I think, get all their quarterbacks this week because otherwise this line might be 30 points. Um, you know, the Broncos defense is really good, and they play really hard behind a really terrible offense each week. And I want to take the Broncos here. You know, the Chiefs aren't going to be particularly interested in this game, but whatever, it's at Arrowhead. I'm not going to lose money betting against the Chiefs anymore. So, Chiefs, I don't have a ton to add here. 
Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. I mean, you know, how good is Patrick Mahomes? I mean, it seems like every time he's playing, we, you know, you need to click on the TV and watch him. What, uh, you know, uh, but with that being said, uh, for some strange reason, I'm just going to lean on uh, on uh, Denver this week. I just, uh, for some strange reason, I think they keep it close or something like that just because it's a, it's a conference game. I mean, it's not a throwaway game and, uh, Maybe that uh, you know now that the Broncos have have a quarterback, uh, let's go with the Broncos this week. This is an interesting Monday, first Monday night game for a couple of different reasons. You've got San Francisco and Buffalo. San Francisco really kind of actually kept their playoff hopes alive in the NFC by beating the Rams last week. They're five and six, and granted, they're very much on the outside looking in. But you know, nine and seven probably gets you in here, and they have a puncher's chance of doing that. They have to win this game. If they do that, and you've got Buffalo on the other side, who's nine and three, you know, their losses are to the what Titans, Chiefs, and then a Hail Mary to the Cardinals. You know, I've kind of been high on them the last couple of weeks as a dark horse to kind of mess with the the uh, Chiefs and the AFC. I, I don't have a good feel for this at all. I, I'm going to I'm going to reluctantly take. I'm going to take Buffalo on the road just because it's Nick Mullins and not Jimmy G. But man, if the Niners really won this game statement fashion and got really back in the playoff on, it wouldn't shock me here. I'm going to take the better team in Buffalo, but I don't feel great about this pick at all. Well, uh, where's the game at in San Francisco? This game is in San Francisco. No, well, technically the, it's a game. The game's in Phoenix, right? They, oh, you know, okay. they had to move to Phoenix because Santa Clara County outlawed contact sports. So I think this game is technically in the Cardinal Stadium. I could have that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Well, I mean, regardless where the stadium, uh, where it is, it's on the West Coast. And uh, this is another travel rule game for me. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and lock this one up again. Uh, I like San Francisco. Let's uh, lock this one up with the third one uh, on the NFL. Okay. So you like San Francisco. I don't like, I don't hate that pick at all. Like I'm going with the better team, but if you told me that kind of, you know, um, Kyle Shanahan pulled, uh, you know, the bills pants down in terms of from a schematic standpoint, like that, that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. No, uh, so yeah, I, I don't mind that pick. I don't have a good feel for this game at all, but it, it that's actually going to be a very fun one to watch on Monday yeah. night football. That'll be a, uh, kind of a low-key treat we got two games left the reschedule games so you've got skins and Steelers, who i believe are playing on tuesday and then ravens cowboys who i think are the early monday night game let me uh bear with me for two I seconds because tuesday game. There's, there, uh, there is i think skin Steelers is the tuesday game um and no, the uh, ravens the ravens is the tuesday game i think so so I'm about to look it up. So what I'm showing here. I'm trying to think I've got. I've it got is. Got, it's a Tuesday game. So I've got Dallas right now. You don't know what the Ravens COVID situation is. Dallas plus seven and a half. If Lamar Jackson's back, this is an easy one for me. This is a get right game for the Ravens. Ravens roll big. Yeah. Dallas is a disaster. So, yeah, let's just take Baltimore on that whatever, whenever they ever play. Yeah, it's seven and a half. You don't know their COVID situation. If it's already more than a touchdown, this just feels like the Cowboys get rolled. They're poorly coached. The Ravens actually showed pretty good fight in that weird Wednesday matinee. Um, but just, you know, what are you going to do? RG3 wasn't good and then gets hurt and you're relying on Trace McSorley. Like, what are you going to do? So we're both going Ravens here. 
that seems to be an easy one. And then wrapping up week 12, we are going Skins and Steelers. And I'm acting like this is some sort of dramatic matchup, but the only reason I am teasing this is because I'm Googling the line as we speak. Because it's not, it's not, it's not showing up anywhere. So let's see what we got here between those two. Um, what are you showing? Uh, Washington plus ten. What in the, the world? It says Washington plus ten, and now it's bet down to uh, Washington plus eight and a half. Oh, okay. So we'll we'll split the difference. We'll we'll stay what it started at uh, plus ten. Uh, I think that I think that got bet down for a reason. I'm going skins here. Steelers are like the most imperfect 11 11 and 0 team of all time. They're good. I think they'll put it together when it matters. But this has a very very you know they're coming off a Wednesday game that they were gonna play the Thursday before. Like they're not in a normal rhythm. This uh, and the skins would be really have a leg up on the NFC East if they pulled this off. I don't think they win the game, but I don't think this is a 10 point game. I'll go skins here. I know which way you're going. Yeah, I like the Washington football team. You know, I think uh, I keep saying skins, it's going to get us canceled. No, that's all good, man. You know, if if they flag us, they flag us. You know, it's all good. Probably, uh, if they flag us, they're going to flag me for my vulgar language. Uh, no, I, I like Washington here. I just think it's a lot of points and. You know, you look at those Steelers wins. Yeah, I mean, it's it uh, it's it's hard to win every game, but you know, uh, they've played not a lot of uh, you know uh, stiff competition. Uh, I know they played uh, Houston whenever you know Deshaun Watson and was a disaster, and I think even if Houston played them right now, I think it'd be a uh, field goal game. So um, I, I, I'm I'm not saying that. Uh, you know, uh, Pittsburgh's not good, but I don't think they're, you know, uh, as advertised. And uh, I think uh, Washington might give them a good uh, game. So I'll take some points for sure. I like it. Let's go with uh, plus eight and a half. That is week 13 in the league where they play for pay, dude. It's flown by. This was a blast. Uh, just to recap real quick, I locked Tennessee and A&M in college. I locked Indy. I locked the Giants. I locked the Pats. You locked the Los Angeles Chargers. You locked the Seattle Seahawks. You locked A and M, and did you have four or just five? Who else did uh, you lock? There was a uh, tra- uh, there was a travel rule game. Let's see, San Francisco. No, San no, Francisco. you locked the Chargers. Excuse me. No, no. Did you lock San Francisco? Yeah, I think it was San Francisco because that was the other uh, travel rule. Yeah, that, that was the five locks this week. So fade us, take us, whatever you uh, whatever you please. I appreciate everybody listening. This has been fun, dude. It's flying by. We only got like five more weeks of this uh, regular season-wise. Obviously, we're continuing this into the playoffs. But uh, NFL, we're already 13 weeks in. Flown by. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, again, there was about the time of six months ago that we didn't think that we would bet uh, be able to bet on any NFL or college football games and here we are almost done with the season we appreciate everyone listening if you like what you heard today rate uh five stars you can say whatever you want in the comment section i hope everyone has a safe and happy weekend hope you already kicking off your weekend uh by listening to this but everyone be safe enjoy the football same time next week dude yes sir as as usual and uh you know let's have a good weekend and uh the holidays are around the corner and uh We'll be, uh, you know, having a bunch of beef ready for everybody. So uh, standing rib roast and beef tenderloin. So, uh, yeah, we'll be ready to go. Uh, Zach's making 
150 pounds of sausage today today so uh we'll be ready for this weekend so y'all uh come on by or call the shop and we'll get you taken care of check him out lb's university avenue across from kroger everybody have a safe and happy weekend and see you next week friends for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.